the Free for All Roundtable. Brought to you by Lexus Avon, Canada's newest Lexus dealer, near Canada's Wonderland in the Maple Auto Mall. Luxury is closer than you think. Round one. On round one, Vas Bednar is here, Executive Director of the Master of Public Policy degree in Digital Society at McMaster University. Toronto lawyer Courtney Betty of Betty's Law and Jerry Agar from the Jerry Agar Show. Good to have you all. Uh, let's start with the latest spasm in the Greenbelt scandal, if we're calling it that, and that would be that a guy who's basically used to be an aide to Doug Ford has now been a consultant, and the Premier's office is severing all ties. This is in connection with all this Las Vegas nonsense. Let me start with Courtney Betty on this. Uh, do you suppose we're reaching a point where the bloodletting ends? No, John. I think it may actually be the opposite, right? We're going to have a lot of these individuals that are connected within the Premier's office that are going to be part of the RCMP investigation. And what I'm looking for is that one of these individuals may have done something which potentially constitutes a breach of the criminal code. And that's when things are going to get very scary for the Premier. Vaz Bednar, your thoughts? I mean, it'll be interesting to see where Amin, the staffer, ends up going next. If there's a, an appointment that's facilitated kind of by the party in some way, that's kind of tricky. Um, but I'm following Courtney's lead in terms of what we might learn from more formal instruments down the line. Yeah, I mean, Jerry, I think that this is kind of the government is going to be reining a lot of things in now just because they got burned by this whole thing. So they may behave quite differently moving forward. Well, obviously they're going to do that because they're talking about uh, codifying the borders of the green belt such that it would take some sort of act of the legislature in order to make the kinds of changes that Doug Ford had talked about doing. So um, Doug Ford uh, is going to distance himself from this thing. And when you work as uh, as an apparatchik in uh, government, when you're a staffer, this kind of thing can happen. You know, it's kind of like being a coach in sports. Like things go south. Somebody's getting fired. A Toronto cop has been accused of helping um, other cops. I mean, this is a superintendent, so she's a senior officer. She was helping some young officers basically cheat in order to obtain promotions. She gave them the questions for written tests they were going to take. She told them what they were going to be asked when they were boarded for the uh, promotion. How serious, and let me start with the lawyer on the panel. So, Courtney Betty, how serious is this? You know, John, it's an interesting situation because... She lists these individuals as her mentees. And I think that, you know, in that situation, the only challenge that I have is the fact that she gave these individuals the actual questions. So sitting down and preparing them and all of that, I think that's just a natural process when you have a, a, a mentor-mentee relationship in any organization. She did over, overstep the line by actually providing them with the questions. It's going to be interesting. I, you know, I've done quite a few of these police, uh, police disciplinary hearings, and you never know which way it's going to go. We'll have to wait until the, until the decision comes down in terms of what the penalty should be. Jerry, worth noting, she's black. She was mentoring young black people. She probably thought she was you know, doing a, a good thing by creating diversity on the force, but she was still cheating. 
She's a cheater. She's uh, She should be thrown off the force. If this were in the private sector, I think she would be thrown out of the organization. But uh, I don't know. You have to kill somebody to get fired from a government job, I guess. And, and maybe not that. Depends then. on like, the department. Well, yeah, it depends on the department. I mean, this is, this is outrageous. Uh, there's no excuse for this. If you want to help somebody, you want to mentor somebody, that's fine. But then you're not part of the group that gets to decide whether they've passed the test. And you don't hand off um, actual, it seems like, it was like photocopies of the questions that that kind of thing this is uh, and, and what might happen according to mark mendelson she might get a demotion but uh it, she shouldn't be there vas bednar you work in an academic setting where this would be even more serious Right. But also when people are studying for tests, sometimes they go and get copies of past exams. Right. I think there are some fine lines here that are going to be really interesting because, you know, relaying this is what an interview was like for me. This is, you know, questions that I've had before or, you know, Jerry brought up public sector. Public sector interviewing is a very kind of particular type of exercise where panels are listening for keywords. And you could argue that this is helpful and healthy or that it's a very kind of inauthentic way to listen to people and that it's a, just a total pantomime. Anyway, maybe everyone should get a long list of potential questions uh, half an hour, an hour before they go into an interview and then the questions come from that bank. Something like that that levels the playing field for everyone. When Joe, who produces the show, told me about this story yesterday, I thought, oh, this is talk radio bait. I can't wait to hear what people have to say. Uh, this is a profile of people who live on the Toronto Islands and as most people may know, you have to basically win a lottery to buy a house. You buy it below market value and you can only sell it for a you know a uh, non-market value when you want to sell if you don't have anybody to leave it to. Now a lot of seniors are saying, yeah, but I want to get off the island. I need assisted living and I'm not going to get any money for my home. Let's start with the man who I know will have a sympathetic ear, Jerry Agar. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they got this golden deal and now they're starting to complain. There's a couple of things that come out of this. I mean, this is the deal you bought into, so uh, live with it. There's uh, the If you want to keep the thing under market value, then uh, you also learn some of the downsides of rent control. You've put yourself in a trap, and I don't know that anybody should feel sorry for you. Yeah, Vez, Vez I'm, I mean, I'm sympathetic because somebody who's aging all of a sudden figures, wait, I'm not going to have the money I need. But at the same time, it's not like it's a mystery. Everybody's always known what a cockamamie real estate system prevails on the islands. Right. The trust system is very unique. You could also argue that these homeowners, you know, saved a lot of money over the course of their lifetime that could have been allocated to particular investments. But I think it just reminds us of this unfortunate reality where for so many Canadians, their retirement plan is the ability to cash out on the presumed equity in their home. And the way the market is now, we're starting to see that, you know, even be less and less possible for people who are off the island. So that community seems like it's facing really important questions, not just about its diversification, but about how they're going to adapt to the community so that it can support people who are aging properly. And Courtney, Betty, I happen to like the islands because I know a lot of people are downright hostile about somebody living on the islands. But on this front, I think, again, it was no mystery that, and, and as Vaz just pointed out, you saved a lot of money by paying below market value. Well, I think that's a key part of it, John. They've gotten an incredible benefit. They literally have won the lottery. And having won the lottery, you usually try to save some of it for your retirement. And if they didn't do that, I mean, there's no one to blame. I mean, 
they knew what they were getting into right from the very beginning. Uh, yesterday, an injunction was granted pending a charter challenge to this uh, rule in Saskatchewan that if a kid comes out to a teacher, the teacher has to tell the parents. Um, and very quickly, the Premier took a, and turned around and said, notwithstanding clause. Uh, actually, I'll start with the lawyer again, because I'm curious about your legal perspective. We talked to Adam Goldenberg, who's arguing this case. And Courtney, it's a fairly strange thing for a judge to see that there is some merit to putting things on hold pending the outcome and have a premier turn around and say no way it's a really strange thing john i've, I've done like hundreds of these kinds of cases uh, in different capacities injunctions are one of the hardest things to convince a judge to do and and i think in this case you know we're not looking at the merits it's a specific test that the judge has to has to meet in terms of granting an injunction and i don't think on the uh, just on the facts that's there right now i think the judge made an error and now we have a constitutional uh, you know, a major constitutional issue. Yeah, Vaz, what they are going to argue in this case, amongst other things, is that this could bring harm to the children. So you'd think that pending, you know, figuring out uh, whether or not that's true, you could leave the injunction in place. Yeah, I think it's a I think it's a really strange approach. I wonder if they are also wanting to quiet or silence children who might be talking about this these sorts of things at school because really you know the safety of kind of being yourself or trying you know trying out different identities in that setting is being is being taken away here so i i'm uh, following it as closely as i can and it seems quite strange especially in canada jerry school system is working against what 80% of parents in this country want and keep in mind that there's when you do polling there's always that group of people who say well, I don't know so among the people who do know uh, it's a huge 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 percentage of parents who are against what uh, the school system is trying to do which is a stripping of parental rights it's outrageous and I'm going to talk on my show today about the there's really only one way to for parents to go here and that is you got to get your kids out of the public education system uh, let me ask you something though Jerry I asked this question to Deb Hutton this morning and she texted me when it was over and said hmm good question we'll talk about that at dinner if a young muslim girl whose parents have made her wear a hijab were to take it off at school should the parents be called um, I, I think that uh, what schools don't have a right to do is keep secrets. I think people are creepy who want to keep secrets with a kid from parents. If you believe that the, the kid is actually in danger, which is a very small percentage of children in this country, if you think, if you have reasonable belief that the child is in danger, we have a process for that with Child and Family Services, call the police. The school is not the place to manage that. Some lawyers are sounding the alarm about uh, liberal bail reforms, insisting, I mean, first of all, the objective is to put more people behind bars pending trial. Uh, but in this case, it might put more black and indigenous people behind bars. Courtney Betty, I mean, they're already overrepresented amongst convicts. So I imagine that would be true of people awaiting trial. Well, it's interesting, John. I'm involved in a case right now where I had to cross-examine a very senior person from uh, Corrections Canada recently who clearly admitted that the the system is overlaid, overloaded with black and indigenous uh, individuals already. But the problem is not is not just that, John. The problem is that you have a constitutional right to get bail until uh, until um, your trial comes up. And my challenge is, and I look back at um, the previous justice minister Lametti, 
And he admitted, I think, on an interview on CTV, they don't have any data at all right now that suggests that these changes are in any way going to make a difference or prevent uh, the death of the officer or an individual that's been released in the, in the Yukon community. So I think we need to have more data before we take away the discretion of the judges. I have faith in those judges who are going to make those decisions. Yes, there's going to be that 0.5% where a judge may make an error and someone goes out and does something. But we also have that 99.5 that is the reality in uh, in most situations. Thank you all. We're out of racetrack, but enjoyed the talk. Vas Bednar, Jerry Agar, and Courtney Betty. Catch the roundtable, round one at 745, round two at 845. Weekday mornings on more in the morning. News Talk 1010 Toronto.